Hi, I'm Josh McDonald. And I'm Randa Materi, and we are Hand Therapy Academy. This podcast, we're going to go over what to do if a patient comes into your clinic with radial sided wrist pain, but kind of one of these patients where they don't come in with a specific diagnosis. Maybe they come in from a primary care office and they're just sent to hand therapy. Maybe it's a self-referral, but they've got pain on that radial side of the wrist. What are our potentials and what do we want to do as kind of our steps if we can elicit is exactly which one it is? Yeah. So what are some, some of the first things that you're thinking when you have this patient that's coming in with pain on the radial side of the wrist and, and how are you evaluating and looking at this patient? I'm going to start with uh, most of my evals start with the question, what brings you to us today? Um, and, and that's just this open-ended question that gets them talking about their problem. And it's, oh, it hurts here. Well, where are they pointing? What do they say? It hurts when I do this, or it hurts at this time, or, and, and they give me the kind of the three to five minute story of what's going on. And that really guides me. I'm still going to do lots of provocative tests to rule out differential diagnoses, but I want them to point to where I say, use your finger like a laser pointer and tell me exactly where you feel the pain originate from. So they're not kind of doing that wand over the hand, everything hurts thing. So show me your finger like a laser pointer. Where do you feel like it hurts? And, and get that conversation started. Yeah. And then I always ask them too, have you fallen recently or have, do you have something, a specific event, right? Because sometimes yeah. if you, if they fell, then you're thinking, oh, well, maybe this is, you know, worse than just a tendonitis or a tendinopathy. Yeah. And so what are some of our, well, let's just list a couple differential diagnoses. What are some things we could find at the radial side of the wrist that would be on our checklist? So I think I would think of decoir veins, intersection syndrome, um, inflammation of the radial sensory nerve, uh, maybe a scapulunae injury or a scapoid injury, CMC arthritis. Um, what else? Did I miss anything? I'm sure I did. <laughs> there could be some certainly more involved things like Pressier's disease, if you've got some wasting that scaphoid from some chronic thing they've had. So there's lots of things that it could be. Typically, if they're coming into us, it's a relatively new thing, but this could have been something that's bugging them and they finally told their doctor on a follow-up visit. So those things all need to be on our radar and send them to an outside referral if it seems outside the bounds of conservative therapy. Yeah, because you never know, right? Like I had a patient that this is a little bit off topic, but she came in and she was having a lot of dorsal wrist pain and I couldn't quite figure out what it was. I'm like, I don't know if it's like a ganglion cyst or something like that. Um, but she ended up going in and getting it looked at and she had an avascular necrosis of her loony. So, wow. you know, you're like, well, thank goodness, you know, cause sometimes I think sometimes we're like, well, we could probably take care of this in therapy, but yeah. Yeah. You know, 12 weeks later, she's still in pain and maybe you've made it worse. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't know. So if you really don't know or are unsure, I always say, you know, make sure they get x-rays, yeah. get looked at by someone. And x-rays looked at by someone who's a hand surgeon specialist or an orthopod or someone like that. Not, not urgent care. Their primary care doctor maybe ordered them, but I want someone looking at those x-rays that knows how to take x-rays of the hand and someone who looks at them, who's going to have that critical eye that just isn't looking for fractures, but some light wasting, some, you know, those kinds of things, arthritis signs, maybe that kind of stuff. Right. Maybe a slack wrist, you know, there's some of those things, or maybe they do have a scapegoat non-union and we're definitely going to make that worse if we don't get it evaluated or looked at by a surgeon. Right, right. So I feel like we've really gone like 
like a zero to a hundred miles an hour, we're talking about scaphoid injuries and scaphoid fractures and pressures disease. Let's back it up a little bit. What comes in typically? What do we normally see come in the clinic if it's radial sided pain? Most often I see scaphoid, or excuse me, not scaphoid. I see decoir veins or CMC arthritis. Those two are probably 80% of the radial sided wrist pain patients that I see. Yes. And then how are you evaluating those? If you do see them, what are you doing for CMC arthritis and what are you doing for decor veins? Um, provocative right. testing, some, um, some just palpation and kind of see where it hurts. And if I can isolate, like it's at that, um, CMC joint specifically, I'll do grind and lever test and I'll have them just give me a tip to tip pinch and see what that collapse may look like. If they have a zigzag thumb, I'll ask them where it hurt, like point to it. And if it's right over that first dorsal compartment, I'll do, um, Finkelstein and Eikhoff, not nearly as much with those two. I like the, the what test W H A T. Uh, wrist hyperflexion and abducted thumb. And uh, so they hyperflex the wrist, they abduct that thumb, and then you push against it and have them fight it. That I feel like has fantastic sensitivity and specificity. And we're not getting any other cross false positives or anything. That really nails to veins really well. So you said something with um, CMC arthritis. And if you, you know, sometimes I think it's pretty obvious when they have CMC arthritis. And in, in those cases, are you still doing the special tests or you're like, that's kind of pointless because I'm just going to irritate the joint? Absolutely. If they come in and they have clearly a giant shoulder sign of that subluxation uh, radial dorsally, they have a big zigzag thumb deformity, they come in and say, it hurts right here. No, I'm not doing provocative testing. That's just going to make it angry. A provocative test is to diagnose. If I know what the diagnosis is, if they come in with a diagnosis of central slip rupture, I don't need to do Elson's test. I know what it is, so I'm not going to aggravate the joint. Yeah, I think that's key, especially as a new grad, right? Like if if you know what it is, you don't need to go out and do a special yeah. test for it. Yeah, yeah. And so if we have some indication that it's something like tendinopathy, if it's something that's soft tissue related, that's not CMC arthritis or fracture or something, how would you proceed with that? Okay. So if it's not a tendinopathy or CMC arthritis, how do I proceed with that? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yep. Um, so it's like a more advanced problem? Yeah. Yeah. Or, Okay. <laughs> Well, let's just go, let's just go tendinopathy. If it's a decor veins or an FCR tendinopathy, basic tendinopathy stuff, how do you proceed with that? Um, usually I, you know, I know like when I first started, I'd always be like, oh, they need a splint, right? For these things. And now, you know, I've kind of changed, you know, I've evolved a little bit. And so I might start by just doing gentle range of motion and getting some activities going and then try to really improve the synovial nutrition in the, that area instead of going directly to a mobilization um, and then see how they do with that. And then if they need a splint, you know, to rest at times, I might do that. Or if there's some a particular activity that they can't modify or change, I might put them in a splint. So they kind of have to modify or change, but that's definitely not my first go-to thing anymore. Um, how about you? Are you, how do you treat those? If it's a decor veins, I, I usually start with a forearm based thumb spica. Um, I feel like by the time they get to me, I feel like they've had this problem for a while because none of us really get things taken care of as early as we should when things start to nag us. Um, so usually by the time they've gotten to me, they're in some significant pain. And so if it is, let's say a decor veins, maybe an FCR tendinopathy, then we talk about the uh, protecting it, not aggravating with work, activity modification, and kind of backing off. 
but we're going to be done with that splint in six weeks, um, let's say. So yeah. we have a plan to get out of it soon, but we need to quit poking the bear and patients have a hard time doing that on their own. If they could have, I feel like they would have already done that and they had a hard time. So they need something as much as a reminder as, hey, I can't move in that offending direction. Yeah, and I think we might differ in that a little bit. I might give it a couple of weeks to see how they're doing with their exercises and then put them in it if we need it, but um, just differences. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you have a patient who you suspect some kind of fracture thing, we talked about referring them to x-rays, that kind of thing. Would you keep seeing them or would you say, let's take a break, send them off for a value, for a, uh, assessment with a surgeon? Um, it, it depends on what I, if I have a suspicion of what it is or something, and I, or if I really honestly don't know, I would probably tell them to go see their surgeon and come back after they've been evaluated. And then it also depends on where that referral came from. Did it come from, you know, uh, like say a primary care doctor or something like that? I might call the primary care doctor and ask, um, kind of what his or her plan is, um, and just tell her, like, I suspect something, him or her, so I suspect something different. So how do you feel about us referring them out to a hand surgeon? I think that helps a lot because you don't want to go behind whoever sent you the patient, right? Yeah. Behind their back. Um, I'd like to give them a heads up and kind of get their thoughts on it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I have had a referral. It wasn't for radial sided wrist pain, but I have had a referral that came from an urgent care. Uh, it was a direct referral. They found us online and sent someone over and I had significant questions that this was a fracture. They had had a fall and the referral was just for like tendonitis, but the patient had a fall like two days before. And I called the urgent care and said, Hey, I have some questions about this. I'm not sure. And like, no, we're pretty sure. And I told the patient, I really think you should get this x-rayed and checked out beyond what they did. And, and I think it's, so I, I, I kind of went beyond them, but for patient care, I felt like it was a necessary thing. So we always try to communicate as best we can, but we also have to make sure we're serving the patients best. Yeah. And then I guess the question is, was it a fracture? Uh, they never came back. I never saw them back. I made the referral to a doctor across the street from us uh -huh. and they actually never made it to the doctor. Like they just went MIA. I don't know if they got tired of being bounced around or decided they were okay with things, but it was one of those where we didn't have any closure. Yeah. And I, I could see like from an urgent care, that doctor probably saw that patient one time, right? Yeah. Versus a primary care physician, they usually have, you know, some sort of relationship with the patient. And yeah, um, I think they appreciate those calls. Definitely. Definitely. So, all right. Hopefully this helps when you have a patient walk into your clinic with some radial sided wrist pain. Hopefully it's nothing significant like scaphoid fractures we talked about early, but um, gives you some ideas for some differential diagnoses and some treatment options. All right. So if you have questions, email us at info at Ham Therapy Academy. Um, you can also check out our website at hamtherapyacademy.com.